Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. New way to play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app and try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in to the show, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube channel. Go ahead and check us out on bellyup.tv. If you ever missed an episode, that's okay. Just download the Fox D Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or even Amazon Fire TV devices. Look for the Billy Up Sports TV category. You can find our show and all of our episodes there, or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And You download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're back here with week four, nearly in the books. That means the first quarter, the first quarter of football is already done. Is already played, believe it or not. It's amazing how fast the season really can go once you get underway. There's still obviously a lot more games to be played, and no matter what your record is, even if it winds up being 0-4, you're still in the mix for the playoffs. Remember, you got the extra game now with these 17 games. You go up to week 14, it can still be done. You just might have to remain vigilant. Hopefully, follow us. We can help you out there at Show on social media whenever you have questions. Checking out our rankings on BillyUpFantasySports.com to help your start sits. But we'll also try to help you out, try to make some trades, make some smart trades moving forward. Maybe you got to mix things up, or maybe you just had a string of bad luck and you just need to ride that wave. We'll be able to figure it out, and we're going to take what lessons we have to learn with us today moving forward into Week 5 so we can better prepare our teams, and what it is exactly we need to focus in on to get moving and better in the future. And for those of you who might be 4-0 even, 3-1, and 2-2, and 
you're fine. You're sitting in a good spot right now where you can still pick up guys for down the road. You can still shoot for upside. You're not in must-win-now mode. So just things to keep in mind of where you're at and how you can act accordingly. But no matter what you are right now, after one quarter, you are not out of it yet. No matter how good, and even how good or how bad it is, I should say, but how good you're in 4-0 right now, that doesn't mean get lazy. That doesn't mean get cute. That doesn't mean you sell off everything for, oh, I can play upside because I have such a leeway. That lead can disappear in a heartbeat. We haven't gotten to bye weeks yet. We haven't had a lot of major injuries yet. We had a few came out today with some big-time players, and we'll talk about that throughout the show. But we haven't gotten into all of that. You need to really be able to manage your teams well to win some of those games and manufacture wins. So don't get too comfortable, even if you're 4-0-2 right now. But I hope you are as part of MD Nation, of course. We got a jam-packed show. We're going to talk about our thumpers and our bummers of the Thursday night recap, along with the Sunday afternoon games. We'll have all of our game notes in the second half of the show, like we always do, of what lessons to take with us, what we know, the information coming out, and how to view things moving forward. So let's just go ahead and dive into this thing and not waste any time and kick it off with our quarterback thumpers of the week. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! So first up, we always give our top three thumpers and our, of course, our bottom three bummers. And this, again, is for the Thursday night and the Sunday afternoon games. We'll talk about the primetime matchups like Sunday night and Monday night on Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern when we also go over to Heroes and Zeros and Waiver Savers on our YouTube channel. But for now, our number one thumper at the quarterback position, Jared Goff. And this was especially, especially impressive considering no St. Brown, no DeAndre Swift, no DJ Chark even. He was left out there with Josh Reynolds and TJ Hawkinson and guys like Quintez Cephas trying to come back from injury and Jamal Williams in the backfield against Seattle. And we'll get into that game later on. But man, oh man, did they put on a show. And Goff still manages to go 378 yards and four touchdowns. Yes, against Seattle. So it was, it was a lighter matchup, of course. And Seattle's defense is not very good, but... For him to be able to do that without his top weapons across the board, it's very impressive. And the conversation that had been ensuing leading into this week about, you know, Jared Goff, how viable of a streaming option is he? Are we talking about him as somebody who's, you know, right now he's inside the top 12 scores at the quarterback position, but do we want to rank him that way? Do we want to play him that way? Do we trust it? It's just too small of a sample size early on in the year. He puts up this kind of performance without those weapons. What it tells you is this. No, he's not going to put up 378 yards and four touchdowns every week. But it does tell you there's a real comfortability right now with Jared Goff and this offense. And he has to be in the conversation now as a top 12 quarterback moving forward. Our number two quarterback thumper is Geno Smith in the same game. Geno is very impressive through the air. 320 yards, two touchdowns. We'll talk about his receivers later on. The thing that was incredibly interesting about Geno Smith is something he hasn't used in a really long time. He was effective with his legs. He had 49 yards on the ground. He had a rushing touchdown. He's the number two scoring fantasy quarterback right now. Again, Sunday night game underway is recording this, and we still have the Monday night game to get to. But as of right now, he's the number two fantasy scoring quarterback. If he's going to start using his legs 
and he's going to start opening things up. We'll have to see. Geno Smith might be entering that conversation too, or at least can't just be an afterthought that we keep leaving on our bus list every single week like we have been. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. He still only threw the ball 30 times in this game. Generally speaking, when you do that, you're not going to put up this level of performance, but the usage of the legs is what I'm going to be curious to see. Does that continue? Because if that continues, we may have a different conversation on our hands. And it's funny. We're talking about Seattle's quarterback and how it being a thumper. And we've been on Russell Wilson. When are you going to perform? Is it going to happen? I ranked him as my top 10 quarterback this week. And I said, look, if you don't do it against the Raiders, you're not going to be in my top 12 anytime soon. But he does show up against the Raiders. Not overly impressive through the air. Only 237 yards. Did have two touchdowns. But finally used his legs to get into the end zone. He picks up a rushing touchdown. And that's why, as of right now, he is the third highest scoring quarterback on the week. And if you rode that wave and decided you're going to wait one more week before having him just move on from Russell Wilson... It paid off in a really big way. So that's the good news there. He does come in as our number three thumper of the week. Let's talk about our quarterback bummers. Quarterback bummers. So our number one bummer this week was Marcus Mariota. It just was, it was not good at all for the Atlanta passing game. They were able to have some success on the ground. That game wound up being competitive, but Mariota was not good, not very active, only 139 yards, had the interception. The key point is this, and Mariota's been somebody that I've been consistently ranking inside my top 16, and he came in a QB 14 for me heading into the week. The reason being is that he has this rushing floor. Well, really, since week one, it's been kind of disappointing over the last three weeks, the fact that he hasn't really put on that many rushing yards to sustain that floor. He's had passing touchdowns, so he's still been kind of hovering around that mid-level QB2 area. But this game, not only did he not have the passing production, he continues to not have the rushing production. He only had three rushing yards the entire game. That's not something you expect with a guy like a Marcus Mariota, especially against a banged-up Cleveland defense. And as a result of that, he winds up being our number one bummer of the week. Our number two bummer is another quarterback that we've been talking about. Does he start to creep up into that area of, hey, you know what? You actually might be a guy that we're talking about as a streaming option more than not moving forward. And that's Trevor Lawrence. Now, I warned everybody. I said, look, this is not the week. I, ha- I even had my be cautious of. Do not start Trevor Lawrence against the Philadelphia Eagles in bad weather. This is a very good defense. I still believe the fact this could be a top three, if not a number one defense overall by the time we get to the end of the year because they're just built on all three levels right now this season. So this was not the game to play him. I'm not surprised he had a rough outing, 174 yards, two touchdowns, couple turnovers, just wasn't much to be had out there for the Jacksonville offense in general. And we'll get into that game more a little bit later. There will be days ahead where we're talking about Trevor Lawrence as a streaming option. And I do think there's a chance that we're talking about him as a high-end QB2 by the end of the season or a guy who can even talk about playing consistently on a week-to-week basis, but not in matchups like this. They are still limited offensively with their weapons. And this game kind of showed you they play an elite defense, why that's still the case. And our number three bummer at the quarterback position, Carson Wentz. 170 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, was running for his life. 
back-to-back weeks, he had to go up against two top-notch defenses, not just good defenses, but defenses that generate sacks and turnovers at a very high clip. And Carson Wentz reminded you that offensive line of the Washington Commanders is just not good. And therefore, he has to run for his life. And when Wentz runs for his life, he typically turns over the ball. So Carson Wentz in for a rough outing. He is matchup dependent as far as as him being a streaming option. That's something you just have to take in consideration. We're looking at quarterbacks like these three I just listed that are all in the conversation week in, week out right now as far as streamers go. They are are more matchup dependent than your top, typical top 10 quarterbacks. So that's why you have to kind of go ahead and look out for them. Let's dive into our running back thumpers. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Did someone order Austin Eckler to get back into the end zone? Because he did it three times in this game. Twice on the ground, once through the air. Only 60 yards on the ground, 49 yards to the air. So he gets over 100 yards from scrimmage. Looking like the Austin Eckler we all knew and loved last year. This was the matchup for him to get right against the Houston Texans. He didn't disappoint. He took advantage of the situation. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is Mike Francesa. Join me each week on the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is real sports talk for the podcast generation. Subscribe to the free Mike Francesa podcast today from wherever you get your podcasts. Don't even think about betting this football season until you check out the Sports Betters Paradise podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. The top college and pro football handicappers help you along all season long. Subscribe to Sports Betters Paradise wherever you get your podcasts. I still don't think the plan is to try to get Austin Eckler going in the red zone inside the five in particular on a consistent clip, but it was nice to see knowing that they had to get their offense going, knowing that they need to get Austin Eckler going, especially in a matchup like this against Houston, where it's a good chance to get right. They decided to go ahead and get the guy in the situations you want him in, in the money downs. We'll see if this continues. I know Austin Eckler owners hope it does, but what I will say is that the truth is probably somewhere in between. It's not going to look like how it did today all the time, but it should be better than what we've seen over the past few weeks getting to this point too. Austin Eckler's too talented, and the other guys just aren't, and they have to make sure this offense is flowing and getting clicking before they fall too far behind in a jam-packed AFC West. Josh Jacobs. Sticking with that division, he goes off 144 yards and two touchdowns. So the thing about Jake is that we knew he's a starting running back, and he had been getting the overwhelming majority of the work for the team. The problem had been that it didn't matter much because you're still only getting 10 to 13 carries. You're still only getting 50 to 60 yards. He wasn't falling in the end zone. He wasn't that involved in the passing game as a whole. So it wasn't amounting to much. But in this game against a really good defense in Denver against running back. So this was not the matchup you were thinking he'd get going. He lit it up. He looked sharp. He had big runs. He had chunk runs. He got involved in the passing game. And of course, it always helps when you find the end zone, not once, but twice in a single game here. 
Jacobs is a starting running back in the NFL who's getting the majority of work for his team. I don't think it's always going to look pretty because the Raiders still look very out of sync offensively for the most part. They had a good game here. We'll see if this is a right of shit passage. I will say this, though. Derek Carr is better when he's able to work under play action. That does not work unless the running game is also working. So something to keep an eye on with Josh Jacobs here and his big breakout into the 2022 season. And last but certainly not least, our number three thumper at the running back position on the week was Miles Sanders, who had this has to be the best game he's ever had in his NFL career. Two touchdowns, 134 yards on the ground, taking advantage. No Boston Scott in the mix. Kenneth Gainwell really didn't increase his playing time as a result, and they ran all over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The touchdowns we know because of Jalen Hurts, they can be hit or miss at times. But he's been efficient. He's been getting the workload. It just hasn't been, it hasn't been a very high ceiling because he wasn't necessarily involved in the passing game. It still really wasn't overly involved this game either. And it's always a hit or miss thing for him to get touchdowns, usually more times than miss, if we're being honest. So it's good to see Miles Sanders get going here. We'll talk about Miles Sanders in the extra credit game notes in the second half of today's show. But there might be some interesting things in what you're thinking after a performance like this from a player like that. Let's get into our running back bummers of week four. Running back bummers. So our number one bummer was James Robinson. And look, there's nothing else you could have done. He was in my lookout for segment heading into the week. Because I said, while he is a top 24 running back because the usage and the touchdowns that he had been scoring can't be ignored. And it's going to be pretty hard to bench him as a result to that. I was a little bit concerned about him being able to return value at that mark. A couple of reasons. One, the Eagles are not a conducive team for running backs to have great games on, especially on the ground. That's first and foremost. Number two, I had a feeling Jackson will have to come back from behind. That could lead to Travis Etienne getting more work as far as his overall playing time goes because he is still the pass catching back. And that's, that's in fact what we saw. Travis Etienne did play a couple more snaps than James Robinson did in this game. Robinson only gets 29 yards on the ground, doesn't really give you anything through the air, doesn't score here. Better days are ahead. There's no reason to panic. But for this year, this week, of course, you are disappointed. I For Jonathan Taylor, though, and, and, and look, he, he wasn't the worst guy on the list, so I didn't make him the number one bummer. But in some ways, it's a much higher impact him bumming you out this week. Not only did he only get 42 yards on the ground on 20 carries, but he also walks away with what many believe is a high ankle sprain as of this moment. And we'll keep you up to date on social media at Show as we get information on that. If that's going to be the case, we'll have to go back to the waiver wire. Make sure you tune in tomorrow's show of what our snops is going to be. Because while Naeem Hines will certainly be more involved, he's not going to overtake a full-on Jonathan Taylor workload. So we'll look at it, take a look at the data, see what we think, see what we come up with. But Naeem Hines, he'll be more involved moving forward, but he's not going to be the de facto handcuff to Jonathan Taylor. And if it is a high ankle sprain, especially with a running back, we already know we're probably talking four to six weeks. There's a chance Jonathan Taylor may wind up on the IR before this end of the week is out. We'll have to see exactly what the Colts decide to do. So not only does he screw you this week, and usually guys who get injured, I try not to put on this list, but because it happened later on in the game, 
where he already had 20 carries. He was already going to be a bummer anyway before the injury took place. This just kind of cements it all over again. And oddly enough, while I say I try to keep guys who get injured off my list when it comes to the bummers because I don't feel like it's always fair, I did have to put Javante Williams on here too. He also was not having a good game before he was injured. 28 yards on the ground. Wasn't giving you anything else besides that. And then he goes down. We don't know all the details yet with what sounds like a serious knee injury was seen leaving with crutches out of the locker room. We hope it's not an ACL because that would be worst case scenario. But it sounds like even if it's, you know, we're talking MCL, PCL, we're probably talking about a time frame anywhere between four to eight weeks. And that's assuming that it's not an ACL. I'm not a medical expert. I don't know for sure. I'll keep you guys up to date on social media when we get the news. But not only does he have a bad week this week in a matchup that he was primed, that you thought he was primed against the Raiders to have one of his RB1 performances that you drafted hoping he would be able to have. But now we have to worry about what's his timeline getting back. And if you drafted Melvin Gordon, you might have just fell backwards into a possible RB1. But we'll have to see. But unfortunately, he has to bum us out from that standpoint. Let's get a little more chipper because that that was super depressing with those last two running backs. Let's talk about some wide receiver thumpers. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Justin Jefferson back on track. 10 catches, 147 yards. If there was a time to try and buy low on Jefferson, that time has now ended. It wasn't just that he got back to putting up these kind of performances because we all knew that he would do that eventually. It was the fact that it was this particular matchup where Cousins didn't really have a great game. They're playing against the Saints, a very good defense. He's matched up against Marshawn Lattimore quite a bit throughout this game. And the fact that he was able to beat out a top-notch corner, it wasn't, he wasn't always faced on Lattimore, but he faced him quite a bit, able to beat a top-notch corner, a very good defense in London. It was good to see, especially a guy that needed a bounce-back week, and he got it in a really big way. Jefferson back the tracking as a top-two receiver this year. But what about Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill comes in at our number-two thumper, on the week, 10 catches, 160 yards, going back to the Thursday night game. And it was really impressive that he didn't just do it with one quarterback. He did it with two. And in some ways, I'm going to be kind of curious to see, like Jalen Waddle might be in trouble with Teddy Bridgewater taking over because Bridgewater, who doesn't like to take shots even, even less so than uh, two attack Lavoa does. As a backup quarterback, typically speaking, you're going to harp on your number one read, your number one target a little bit more and put a little more emphasis on that than the typical starter would. So we might be seeing Teddy Bridgewater really target Tyreek Hill. That's what we got to see in that game when he had to come in for Tua. And I wonder if that also continues. And of course, Tyreek Hill will be a feature, but what's the discrepancy between the two? What we do know is that Hill went off in this game and should be primed for more matchups like this. He's the one guy that I would not be concerned about either way. And our number three thumper on the week is the first time he makes this list for the year. DK Metcalf, seven catches, 149 yards. One of the receivers, Lockett obviously being the other one. We'll talk about that later. But one of the receivers that was a benefactor of, you know, Geno Smith having a very good game and a very good matchup. It's impressive, though, because Metcalf matched up mostly on Akuda, somebody who had been doing pretty well against elite receivers to this point. Metcalf himself really has been underwhelming 
through the first three weeks of the season. So it was nice to see him get back on track, reestablish the fact that he's a physically just dominant specimen who can go off like this at any given moment. And good to see him do it. Geno, so now you have some confidence. Like, well, maybe this thing can get moving. Because now the last two weeks, the Seattle offense has looked a lot better. Geno's looked a lot better. Maybe it's signs of things to come. At least that's what you're telling yourself if you are an owner of any part of the Seattle offense. I was really funny. It was during the game. I don't know if everybody got it, but I got a notification. You know, DK Metcalf getting carted off to the locker room. We find out later they got carted to the locker room because he had to go to the bathroom and the cart's just faster to get him there. <laughs> that was that was really hilarious. I'm sure if you're a DK Metcalf owner, you weren't finding it amusing at the time because you're sitting there like, what's going on? He's finally having a good game, and now I'm going to lose him all the way. You find out he's just going to the bathroom, just need a speedier ride to get there. Hilarious. One of the funnier things I saw today. What's not so funny, though, is these wide receiver bummers. Wide receiver bummers. So our number one wide receiver bummer of the week Amari Cooper, four targets, only one catch for nine yards. We had a flashback here to week one when Don Peoples-Jones was inexplicably the number one targeted wide receiver was again this week, and it led to Cooper pretty much getting left out here. Look, we know he's the number one read. We've seen him now have two back-to-back 100-yard games and a touchdown. I don't think you're worried about this. I think it stinks that you're finally feeling somewhat confident, and we're talking about you know Amari Cooper Maybe instead of being a high-end wide receiver three, we can start to have the conversation of, is he a top 24 guy moving forward? This maybe delays that from being a definitive thing. But still, I'm not worried about it. This is a bad game. He'll have bounce back. Just for this week, it really did stick against the Atlanta Falcons. Our number two bummer on the week, Gabriel Davis. So there was some weather in this game, but overall... The Buffalo Bills offense was just disappointing. So you take that what you will. It wasn't all just Gabe Davis. He wasn't wasn't the only one underperforming this week. But one catch, 13 yards, and what had been going into this week, the best matchup a wide receiver could have on paper. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And he played all of it. Like, yes, he was going into the week. He had re-aggravated the ankle a little bit. But he practiced on Friday. He was good to go. And he still played more snaps than any other wide receiver on the Buffalo Bills. Still outsnapped Stephon Diggs. So his playing time was not the issue. Him getting targeted was the issue. Better days are ahead for Gabriel Davis. I will say this. I'm going to throw this out there right now. If you want to try to buy low on Gabe Davis, now's the time. And yes, it would definitely be worth it for you guys to do so. This offense 
has been, you know, off the little bumpy kick after getting off to a hot start the first two weeks. It'll get it'll get back on track. No concern about that. So if you want to try to buy low on Gabe Davis, this could be the week to maybe possibly do that. And I would recommend doing so. But for now, definitely was a bummer performance. Our third and last bummer for the wide receivers, Drake London. So the seven targets you're fine with, two catches, 17 yards for a guy who has been one of the most consistent receivers for the first three weeks of the season. Yes, again, there's another situation kind of similar to Gabe Davis where the entire offense, and to a much worse degree, for especially the passing offense, was just not to be seen on the field today from anybody. So it wasn't just Drake London underperforming. He will have bounce back performances. I have all the confidence in the world that would be the case. It's just for this week, you were a bummer. Not all his fault, though. Let's talk about some tight end thumpers. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! What about TJ Hawkinson? So we talked about Jared Goff, number one thumper of the week. Somebody had to do well as a result of that, right? There was no St. Brown, no DeAndre Swift, no DJ Chark. You had Josh Reynolds and TJ Hawkinson. And the question was going to be, and I had bumped up Hawkinson to my number six tight end overall. Great call by me. I should have went even higher. And the reason I did is because, look, the targets are going to have to go somewhere. The whole reason we were excited about TJ Hawkinson coming into the draft last season, going into 2021, because on paper, before St. Brown emerged, he was the guy. He was going to be not just you know the number one tight end who's talented, but also the number one pass catcher of the team. And when you're a tight end getting those kind of targets, you can't be ignored. Well, this week we saw that, and he did not disappoint. 12 targets, 8 receptions, 179 yards. One of them was like an 88-yard whatever bomb that he just took down the sideline. It was absolutely ridiculous, and he got two touchdowns on top of it. TJ Hawkinson, number one tight end of the week, our best thumper of the week. A big performance out of the guy that you've been needing something from because he hadn't been giving you much for the first three weeks. Yes, is part of this performance circumstantial? Of course it is. But Hawkins is also reminding you that he is a very talented player when given the opportunity. Our number two thumper of the week, although this might just be a one-week wonder, is Mo Alley-Cox. Six targets, six receptions, 85 yards, gets two touchdowns. Apparently, a Colts tight end has to score at least twice in any given week. The problem is, and this is why you can't trust the Colts tight end, who knows which one it's going to be. Last week was Jelani Woods. This week is Mo Alley-Cox. It could easily be Kylan Granson next week. That's just how, what Frank Reich does at the tight end position, unfortunately. So while I'd love to say, hey, go out there and get Mo Alley-Cox because he is a starter. He plays the most out of all of them. And he got involved in the passing game finally. Probably not the smart move. Probably better to wait a week and see, can you do it back-to-back? Because we really haven't had that out of the Colts offense yet to this point. And last but not least, our tight end thumper to a much lesser degree of the other two, but still, he was a thumper nonetheless. Gerald Everett, six targets, five receptions, 61 yards, a touchdown. I did have him inside my top 12 heading into the week. I know there's not going to be a Keenan Allen. but there's not a Keenan Allen, Gerald Everett will get more involved. Donald Parham still is not able to be active this game, although it sounds like he'll be back next week. We have some notes about Gerald Everett moving forward and what we're looking at, what that might all mean as far as his usage is concerned and what kind of value he actually has. But for this week, he was one of the thumpers heading in or heading out of week four. Let's cap this off with the tight end bummers. Tight end bummers. 
That's me trying to bang my head against the wall when it comes to Kyle Pitts. He makes this list far too often. In fact, this will probably be like the third out of four weeks he's been a tight end bummer. Not exactly what you want out of a guy that many people spent a third round draft capital on. Maybe fourth round if you were lucky. Finally got back on track last week with his usage. And again, part of this, I don't totally put this on him, and I'm not as panicked as I maybe would have been a week ago had this happened because nobody in the offense and the passing offense did anything for Atlanta this week. So there's that aspect of it where Mariota was just beyond terrible. And that's why he made one of our bummers of the list. But when you've already been having a bad stretch and you finally have some confidence in a game that wasn't terrific, but was just solid, to jump right back down to four targets for one catch and 25 yards really has to have you sitting there scratching your head if you draft to Kyle Picks and, and, and invest in the draft capital that you had to in order to do that. You can't really get anything for him because you're not going to get equal value right now for Pitts. If any, he's a buy low candidate only. You can't sell him for equal value or higher, of course. Your best bet, if you're part of MD Nation, you own Kyle Pitts, is that you have to hold him. You're not going to be able to do anything else. And just know that not only is he dealing with the fact that Drake London has already arrived, but he's on an offense that is just going to be inconsistent in general from time to time because, well, Marcus Mariota is the quarterback. It's not going to be a high-scoring offense. And those are one of the things I'm worried about. Just a shame to have him back on this list again. Our number two tight end is another big name, though, is Mark Andrews. He had five targets for two catches and 15 yards. Buffalo is a tough matchup for tight ends. They have really good linebackers and safeties who can actually match up and cover. They weren't able to get him the ball in the red zone. They did try to. There was one attempt. He was there. Lamar just couldn't quite get him the ball, couldn't quite put it on point. And as a result, Mark Andrews winds up as our number two bummer of the week. Obviously, it's not somebody we're, we're worried about moving forward, but not the performers you're hoping for out of a key cog in your lineup. And another big name tight end, Darren Waller. Five targets, three receptions, 24 yards. This is a little more disappointing from the perspective of, yes, Denver's a tough, also a tough defense against tight ends, but their offense put up over 30 points. If, you, if your offense puts up over 30 points, do you expect Waller to be a little bit more of a part of that than he was this week? Adams got back involved, kind of dominated the target share, and there was still no Hunter Renfro, so you figure Waller would be that second guy, and now maybe he's competing a little bit more with Mac Hollins on a week-in, week-out basis as far as the team's targets are concerned. Darren Waller will be fine, though. He'll still be a top-five tight end. But yes, it was, in fact, another bummer this week. That wraps up for our thumpers and bummers, though, of the show. I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got our extra credit game notes for the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon recap game. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's Fantasy Football Show will be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. 
True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's the Sunday Funday recap. Where we talk about the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon games. And make sure you always catch us live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so you can always get our new content available. You know, also check us out on bellyup.tv live. If you miss an episode, that's okay. Just download the Foxy Network app on Roku, LG, Samsung, and Fire TV. Look for the Billy Up Sports TV category. You'll find all of our episodes available to you there. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, please leave us a five-star review. It greatly helps us out. I am always your host, Dan Mater. Just talked about our thumpers and bummers of all the fantasy relevant positions in the first half of the show and now it is time for us to get in to our extra credit notes of the game i know i know i know what do we know coming out of the thursday night game well we know first and foremost that this Tua situation from an injury perspective is not going anywhere with the nflpa investigating already they fire the independent neurologist for what they're claiming are several mistakes made Mistakes they already knew about, let's be clear. Look, I'm not a medical expert. That's why I bring on Brian Scott of the Injured List podcast on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and we will talk to him about this again then. We actually were able to talk about a little bit of it live because we went live on Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern like we always do for the Clairvoyant Thursday, and the injury had just taken place moments before that happened. So we were able to talk about a little bit of it then. If you want to watch the beginning of that episode, I would say with everything going on, it's not just concussion protocol for Tua that he has to clear going into next week. With all the extra stuff going on, they're going to be extra cautious, I believe, throughout this process, really dotting their I's, crossing their T's. I'd be shocked if we saw Tua Tagalavoa be able to make an appearance in week five. I do think we're going to get at least one week of Teddy Bridgewater. The great news, of course, was that he got out of the hospital. He was able to clear. He had all the movement in his extremities. He was able to go back with the team. So that was the great news of it all, that overall his health is okay as it stands today. But, man, that was a scary scene and a scary hit. And what does that mean moving forward? Well, like I talked about, Teddy Bridgewater, he definitely looked for Tyreek Hill. We'll have to see exactly what's going to happen. I think Jalen Waddle takes the biggest hit. 
but he's been so good. It's going to be hard to keep him out of your lineup. So look for us. We're going to go through it in our algorithms, go through it for our rankings, and I'll have that out to you like I always do, at least by Wednesday night, by the latest Thursday morning for the early week season stuff of it in the bellyupfantasysports.com website under the Dan Mater tab. We'll look to see exactly where we have these guys at, but right now, first off the top of my head, Tyreek Hill, he's the safe bet, as I think you would probably come to expect. My other note, of course, is that Raheem Moster officially takes over the starting job. So Chase Edmonds gets the touchdown, and he's still getting involved in the red zone area of the field, which doesn't give Moster the value that maybe he would otherwise. But from a touch standpoint, a playing time standpoint, Moster out carried him 15 to 5. He, had, he ran 26 routes compared to nine. So before it was like, okay, well, maybe Moster is just the lead guy on early downs on the ground. Chase Edmonds still the better pass catcher, still got paid more money. He'll still be involved in that sense. That wasn't the case. In a game in which Miami was trailing, by the way, that was not the case. And that's where the question marks now start to come in, where it's Chase Edmonds just the backup who gets sprinkled in every so often, and Raheem Mostert's the actual starter. And if that's the case, Mostert's the guy we're going to start to look at as a top 36 possible flex play at the running back position, who does frankly have more upside than Chase Edmonds because he is more prone, hasn't happened yet this season, but he is more prone with his ability and his speed to hit that big play. And if they are going to be going to Teddy Bridgewater, well, I think it's safe to assume for at least week five, they're probably going to want to lean on the running game a little bit more than they have to this point. So Raheem Moster is going to be a name of interest to me moving forward, at least in the week five and possibly longer if he's going to stay ahead of Chase Edmonds as long as he is healthy. I don't think Edmonds is a guy that I want to drop on the flip side because we know how quickly Moster can get hurt. And if he does, you know, Edmonds could have quite a significant role. Yes, they'll probably mix in Miles Gaskin to some degree and whatnot, but there will be more of a distinction between the two in favor of Chase Edmonds if that happens. So I'm not dropping him yet. But he's not going to be cracking my lineup anytime soon. And Mostert is actually going to be the running back I want to own out of Miami moving forward for now. And like I said, my last note was just Tyreek Hill is quarterback proof. And that's pretty much all we need to talk about with the Miami Dolphins. So on the Cincinnati side, my notes of the game were Burrow gets back on track and the O-line played a bit better. Look what happened in this game. He had one sack. Now remember, I had Joe Burrow as a top five quarterback coming into the week. And I even said on the show, like, while he's an obvious starter, I think he's going to have a good week, and he did. The one thing I was concerned about was that they were able to put pressure on him the way they put pressure on Josh Allen on Sunday. That has been the Achilles heel of Joe Burrow and this offense in general. Because when he's getting sacked six, seven times, it's hard for him to make plays. They're constantly playing in third and long situations and trying to come back from behind. Even though Miami blitzed, the Cincinnati offensive line looked like it had a lot more continuity and was able to pick up the blitz quite efficiently. As a result of that, Burrow gets sacked once and has a very good, clean game. 287 yards and two touchdowns and has a very nice performance. Not a huge performance, but a very nice performance. My other note here is that Joe Mixon is a volume monster right now. He's not 100% healthy. That much was clear in this game. He does not have the same usual Joe Mixon explosiveness, and you can tell that that ankle is kind of bothering him Hopefully, because they had the Thursday night game here, the longer layoff heading into week five will help him out. But he's, that didn't stop the Bengals from giving him 24 carries on the ground. He, is, he does get a rushing touchdown in spite of the 2.5 yards per carry. And the other key is that he's still way ahead in the passing game. Four targets, four catches, 13 yards. Not much to show for it, 
But Samaja Preen's not coming in on third down and distance. He's not coming in in two-minute drills. It's all Joe Mixon. So he's the volume king. If you want to look at it this way, where he's been incredibly inefficient for the most part this season, but he's getting the volume, he's last year's Najee Harris. And we know he's more explosive. We know this offensive line has more upside than the Steelers' offensive line does from last season. It's There's a lot of reasons to feel good about Mixon if he's able to get healthy and this offensive line continues to grow. So the volume right now still keeps him as an elite top five running back, especially given the running back status of the NFL right now. And the last note, T. Higgins, he's just taking advantage of the situation. Jamar Chase is getting doubled. He's getting cloud covered. The, the defenses are tilting their coverages his way, and rightfully so. But it also means you're leaving T. Higgins on a lot of one-on-ones. And I just wonder, Jamar Chase owners, this is a good thing for you, a silver lining for you. I wonder how long this holds up. Because teams can't just let a, another really good wide receiver like T. Higgins just eat him up like this. Seven catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown, nine targets. He's too good to just get left in one-on-one. It's a matter of time before defense is just going to be like, look, we have to respect both and just live with what happens as a result of that. So better days, I think, are ahead for Jamar Chase. But in the meantime, if teams keep tilting their coverage this way, T. Higgins is going to continue to eat and be like the better fantasy player as a result of that. I think they're both guys that I've ranked in the pre-draft process, they were both my top 12 guys. I have them both as wide receiver ones because I saw things like this happening where, yes, maybe not both of them are going to eat every single week, but because they're both so good, they're going to be put in situations that are going to get mismatches and have big games like this on a pretty decently consistent basis. So Chase still gets the 81 yards and four catches, but T. Higgins just eating up the opportunities that are coming his way. Let's dive into the London matchup. We go to London, baby. Ted Lasso. If you haven't watched that show, you should. Minnesota and the Vikings. So there's a lot to kind of dissect just from a general like fantasy football standpoint. Like I'm on the East Coast. So this game's at 930. It's still early for me, but it's not inconceivable to be up by like, you know, nine o'clock on a Sunday. Check your lineups. Make sure there's any surprise inactives to be able to kind of pivot off of that. And I kept thinking to myself, I felt really bad for Alvin Kamara owners who are on the West Coast. And, you know, I saw on social media, of course, a lot of people kind of complaining about that who are in those situations. And there's nothing that can be done about it, but I don't blame them for being a little bit upset. Like, it's kind of out of their control. Like, you surprise inactive Alvin Kamara. There was no indication that he was going to miss this game at any point this week. That was, yes, we knew he was dealing with the rib injury, but he played last week. No one was talking about him actually missing the game this week, even though he was listed as questionable. And all of a sudden, you know, just less than an hour before the game, he gets he gets called inactive. And now you're left to, you know, if you're on the West Coast, you're probably asleep when this happens. So you wake up, you had Kamara in your lineup, you wake up to a zero and find out that he never played in the game. It's disheartening. That can cost you losses. You need every win you can get. So I get it. I don't think I don't know if there's really a, a correct solution for anything to be done about it other than, you know, suck it up and make sure you get up <laughs> just that early. Maybe try to go back to sleep afterwards if you can. I, there's not really a good answer to it. It's an unfortunate situation, but fantasy owners, look, I understand your plight. Get it off your chest if you need to. Comment with me at Billy MDFF show. We could talk about it. I could be your fantasy football therapist too. It is MD in the name that's supposed to be a doctor. We can use it that way. But for the Minnesota Vikings, on, on their side of the ball, Jefferson, we talked about him getting back on track. That's why he's one of the wide receiver thumpers on the week. The other note I have is Dalvin Cook. So, didn't have a big game here, and he's still looking for that big Dalvin Cook signature game here the 2022 season. But I think you have to be encouraged 
given the injury situation, what we were dealing with with Dalvin Cook, I think you have to be encouraged by the fact they still had 20 carries in this game. It did not hold him back from the workload at all. Alexander Madison, yes, in the box score, he walked away with the touchdown. He still only had four opportunities in this game. So he wasn't like he was getting worked in at an amazing clip either. So you have to feel okay about Dalvin Cook moving forward with the sling and knowing that he can produce. Kirk Cousins was just, you know, 273 yards, a touchdown, interception. He just, he was just okay. There was throws that he left out there on the field. He could have took shots. He didn't after the pick. It looked like he got a little gun shy. And this is what Kirk Cousins is. We know there's a low floor. He doesn't rush. So if he doesn't have a great day passing, it might not be awesome fantasy wise, but we also know he can get hot. And we also know this offense is still just finding themselves. Getting Jefferson back on track was a big thing for that. I do want a quick shout out mention Adam Thielen. Nine targets, eight catches, 72 yards. The last three weeks, he's had a pretty decent floor and has been pretty decently involved. So we can start to feel more confident about him being a top 36 receiver moving forward and not necessarily having to score to do it. On the other side, of course, the Saints, we talked about the Kamara news. Ingram gets the start, which we expected. But Latavius Murray is the guy who shows up better in the box score. And if you're wondering, like, look, if you actually you know, you were on the East Coast and you were actually awake and you decided to go with Mark Ingram because you picked him up off the waiver wire to play for Alvin Kamara, and you're like, well, what the hell? And maybe you didn't watch the entirety of this game because it's Sunday morning and you got kids and other things to do. It was Mark Ingram pretty much the entire way until he got banged up in this game. Now, he comes back, he's able to finish it, but he gets banged up, and then all of a sudden, Latavius Murray comes in for that series, and it winds up being, like, one of the best series that the Saints had the entire day. And a lot of it had to do with Latavius Murray, also the offensive line. Because the holes the offensive line were generating on that particular series were way bigger than any of the holes that Mark Ingram was getting his way. And I'm not saying Mark Ingram is some tremendous talent, but I still think he actually has a little bit more juice than Latavius Murray does. But there was just there was pathways for him to run through, and he took advantage of. And he wound up getting the touchdowns result, too. Uh, so I think what we're finding out now and what we'll probably see moving forward after this performance out of Murray is that if Adam Kamara misses, it might be more of a two-way committee between Latavius and Mark Ingram, in which case it's going to be kind of hard to say. I don't. I think you have to say Kamara doesn't really have a handcuff right now. So if he is out, you might not be really able to turn to the Saints' backfield to really be able to provide you with great confidence as a play moving forward. Like This doesn't put Latavius Murray ahead of Mark Ingram in my eyes. This was due to circumstance more than anything else, but I don't think he necessarily goes away after this either. They're both so old. You're just going to get, if one of them gets riding the hot hand, you're going to ride the hot hand. This is what's going to happen here. Uh, Olave had a fine game, seven targets, four catches, 67 yards, a touchdown, picked up a bone bruise. He's ready to play though. Like he, without Michael Thomas, he's ready to be the number one guy, number one wide receiver, had to deal with Andy Dalton coming in to be the quarterback in this game. He was able to make plays. Chris Olave, even when Thomas gets back, especially if Winston's playing at the quarterback position, I think might be in the conversation to be a top 24 receiver, at the very least a top receiver three, meaning he should probably be in your lineups more times than not, if always, moving forward. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Diner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Let's get into the Browns and the Atlanta game. So this is a very competitive 23-20 game that had like no passing whatsoever. Like I look at the Atlanta box score who wins this game, by the way. And, you know, Mariota only threw the ball 19 times and 139 passing yards, zero touchdowns. And the Atlanta Falcons still won 23 to 20. Like that was the interesting thing for me. Since we're already talking about Atlanta, we'll stay on that side of the ball. You know, Cordell Patterson, if, you know, we was, he was dealing with the knee. He didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday, had a limited participation on Friday. Comes in, he was like, oh, he's going to play. He's going to be good to go. And because he, you know, up until week four, has the running back four for the season, you probably felt compelled to play him if you had him. And I know I had him ranked as a top 20 running back coming in. He gets the touchdown, which bails you out, but he didn't play much past the first quarter. Now, I don't know if he had a re-aggravation or he was just feeling a lot of pain, but we saw Caleb Huntley come in. He got 10 carries. He actually had a touchdown. He was pretty efficient. And then Tyler Algier had his most efficient day of the week, 10 carries, 84 yards himself. Now, I think if Patterson's 100% healthy, I don't think we really get to see much of Caleb Huntley. But here's what I'll follow this up with. Once again, Patterson not involved in the passing game, doesn't get a target in this game. And that's been a recurring theme, healthy or not, for the first four weeks for Patterson. After last week having the big game, him being able to get the touchdown this week and not reportedly having a setback, we'll have to see exactly get on that news. Because again, like I said, the second half, he didn't play that much. I don't. He did play a sum, though, and it was active for the game. So I don't know if he had a re-aggravation or not. We'll have to wait and see. But Patterson is somebody who's going to probably be a sell-high candidate for me moving forward because, again, the reason I like Patterson moving moving into the year and I had him as a top-24 guy was the anticipation of him being involved in the passing game as a very nice check down for Mario to be able to go to. That hasn't been the case so far this season through the first four weeks. But in fact, none of the running backs have really been that involved in the passing game in general with Marcus Mariota. So if he doesn't have that floor of the passing game, I worry about the rushing and the rushing touchdowns wearing off. And all of a sudden, he starts to lose some of his fantasy value as the season moves on. I think it might be time to think about selling high on Cordell Patterson and seeing what you can get because he's still, with the touchdown, is going to look pretty as a top 12 running back for the season up until this point. So something to keep in mind. If you're out there and you have Patterson in those leagues, you might be able to get a pretty penny back in return at the moment. Get back on the Cleveland side. Tell it running back, I'm not worried about falling off at any point in time. That's Nick Chubb. 19 carries, 118 yards. He gets a touchdown on the ground. I mean, just the guy has been down in the first four weeks. He has no signs of slowing down. Kareem Hunt was disappointing a little bit in this game because he only had the 49 yards on the ground. He only had two catches for 19 yards. But he still had 12 touches. He's a running back who's consistently, and that's his, that's his low on the year. Like He's been getting 15-plus up until this point. If you're a running back getting 15-plus opportunities, you're an RB2, especially when you have the talent of a Kareem Hunt. So Nick Chubb's been laying it up, but we know we know Hunt gets involved in the red zone. So he's somebody I think has got better days ahead 
and might even be worth a buy low candidate on, frankly, with his usage and people kind of overlooking him because he already has that, you know, that cloud over his head, the fact that you're technically the number two running back. So when it's like when you play him and he doesn't perform, you, you, I don't know, it makes you feel like a little more gross or a little more dumb. Like, you, like, oh, yeah, he's the number two running back. What the hell am I doing playing this guy? And so you just pay attention to the opportunities. They're there. The talent's there. Kareem Hunt's still an RB2 to me every single week. So I'm not putting him out of my lineups. He just didn't have the game this week. We talked about Amari Cooper getting left out. It's okay. That's not going to happen very often. The guy we do need to talk about is David Njoku. Told everybody, like, look, I'm not quite buying it. I did have him as a playable tight end this week just because there weren't many. But I'm not quite buying the big performance from week three until we get to see it second week in a row. Does walk away with a nice performance. Seven targets, five catches, 73 yards. But I do wonder if that happened in more circumstance than actual patterns moving forward still because what happened this game? Well, Harrison Bryant, you know, only four catches, 18 yards, but six targets. He only had one less target. I do not like tight end situations where that are committees. <laughs> and that's what this is. So with David Njoku, while I like him more than, say, like anybody on the Colts tight ends, if you've been leaning on him or want to lean on him as a, as a weekly top 12 tight end, I think there's still a real chance for really bad floor games. Now, having said that, if you have Kyle Pitts right now, you, you probably would happily take the production David Njoku's given you so far this season, especially the last two weeks. So the tight end situation, just kind of a little bit more subjective, which makes it difficult. But I'm not necessarily sitting here saying, yeah, it's definitely David Njoku the rest of the way. Harrison Bryant was still involved there. Let's move on to the Washington and Dallas game, though. Talk about Carson Wentz. He was a bummer for me this week. I didn't have him as a streaming option. Again, it's kind of like the Burrow thing where it's just like if you play against good defenses that are built for pass rush and are built for turnovers, he's going to have a tough time because it's not a good offensive line. He doesn't get the protection, and we know he's liable to turn the ball over. It's something he does. He did it twice today with the two interceptions. So something to kind of keep in mind, this team, this whole offense, in fact, I think is a little bit matchup dependent. With the exception of Terry McLaurin, I, I know he didn't have a good game this game. Only two catches, 15 yards, of course. I, I get it. Barely missed the wide receiver bummer section of our show. But he's the only one I'm like, all right, I'm going to probably throw you out there no matter what. But everybody else is kind of matchup dependent because, well, Wentz is heavily matchup dependent, I believe, week in, week out. Jahan Dotson came down with a hamstring injury, so we're going to have to see exactly what that's going to mean. Because Curtis Samuel's been so good in his role, I don't know if they want to change that, but I also don't know if you actually trust a guy like a Diami Brown to come in and run that Jahan Dotson role in two receiver sets either. Maybe they do turn to Curtis Samuel there. I know he had seven targets, four catches, 38 yards, but he's still a high in wide receiver three. And again, for the fourth week in a row, was the highest targeted Washington commander wide receiver. So better days are ahead for Samuel. Better days are ahead for Terry McLaurin. The guy who I think falls off after this week is Antonio Gibson. Last two weeks, last week he bailed you out with a touchdown, but really wasn't that good, wasn't that efficient, wasn't efficient here either. 13 carries, 49 yards, only 3.8 yards per carry. Does wind up getting in the box score here on the reception end, although J.D. McKissick still played in much more of the situations you want him to, third down and longs, two-minute drill. That's his role. It's just a matter of you know how much does Wentz check down to him in those situations or not. But Brian Robinson can return next week. All the reports have been very, very positive about his recovery, which, you know, good for him, especially considering the circumstances of which, you know, that took place getting shot. But I think there's a real chance here Brian Robinson comes in 
And at the very least, already right off the bat in week five, we could be seeing a split on early downs and at the goal line between him and Antonio Gibson. So the time to sell high on Antonio Gibson has now come and gone officially at this point. And I don't know how much value you really have for him. You can't drop him yet, of course, but I don't know how much he's going to be in your starting lineup from this point moving forward either. On the Dallas side of the ball, they won this game handily, 25-10. to 10. They didn't have to do much offensively. CeeDee Lamb was a great bright spot, and everybody else was kind of a disappointment. Noah Brown picked up an injury in this game. I guess another bright spot was that you know Michael Gallup returned, and he only had two catches for 24 yards, but he scored a touchdown. And that, of course, was nice to see for a guy getting back from his ACL injuries and does have some upside, I believe, when Dak does get back. But CeeDee Lamb still continuing to be the lead targeted guy. Cooper Rush still good enough to get him the ball and make him the wide receiver value that you need him to be to at least hold down the fort anyway. Six catches, 97 yards, a touchdown, eight targets. The other thing was the running backs. So again, like I said, outside of CeeDee Lamb, there wasn't much offense depth for Dallas. They didn't need it. But Elliott at least still had 19 carries, 49 yards, 2.6 yards a carry. Was, wasn't pretty. Tacked on two catches, 32 yards. But Tony Pollard only nine opportunities in this game, and he had eight carries for six yards. So it wasn't just like, oh, Zeke was being inefficient, and they didn't give the ball to Tony Pollard enough again. Like, no, Tony Pollard was inefficient with the opportunities he had as well. So just something to kind of keep in mind. Better days are ahead for everybody involved here on the Dallas offensive side of the ball, and this is just kind of one of those type of games. And you feel really good if you have CeeDee Lamb. Now, raise your hand if you thought Seattle and Detroit were not only going to be the shootout of the week, but that they were going to be the shootout of the 2022 season to this point. Through four weeks, the Seattle Seahawks put up 48 points to the Detroit Lions 45. This game, by the way, Detroit scored 22 points in the fourth quarter to make this a game at the end. That's how insane it was. Just everywhere. Fireworks, big plays, left and right. And that's what's crazier. So you think to yourself, okay, it was 48-45. Detroit had to score 22 points in the fourth quarter to make this a field goal game. Jared Goff and, and Geno Smith, they must have threw the ball 40, 50 times in order to make this happen. R- wrong. Geno had 30 pass attempts. Jared Goff had 39. Neither one even hit the 40 mark in the pass attempt area. Like, that's how insane this was. That's how incredibly highly efficient this game was for everybody involved, which means... It's not something we could take much out of moving forward. However, in the Jared Goff, Geno Smith thing, I still need to see it another week, especially if he's going to use his, you know, we talked about earlier in the show, if he's going to actually use his legs, where he ran seven times for 49 yards in this game with a touchdown, okay, we'll have that conversation. But Jared Goff, he's been good. He's been a top 12 quarterback so far this season. So for him to do it again without St. Brown, without DeAndre Swift, I think I have to pay a little bit more attention to Jared Goff this week. Now. What about the other guys? Let's go back to the Seattle side of the ball. Rashad Penny just missed my running back thumpers on the week. He had 17 carries, 151 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. So I had Penny inside my top 36, but I did not have him as a guy that I thought would have a high ceiling. Why? Even though Travis Homer got hurt last week, DJ Dallas came in and assumed his role. And all of a sudden, my data, my eyes were telling me that Seattle, for whatever reason, was implementing a three-running back carousel to position. And I'm like, and I know Kenneth Walker is still getting back into playing shape because he you know, missed so much time with the hernia, and he's just getting back really now. 
So you have that. You figure he's going to play more as we get moving forward. If DJ Dallas is now going to mix in, what is really left for Rashad Penny, who's not a big guy, you know, not hugely involved in the passing game. But then, of course, this game, he just goes off, has a 41-yarder, you know, 8.9 yards a carry, and just goes absolutely insane. Again, the efficiency across the board in this game is just something you look at and go like, wow, great job, guys. Really a lot of fun to watch. Big play after big play. Obviously not something we're taking into next week thinking it can continue. And that I think that's the big difference here. But here's what I will say about the backfield for the Seattle. It wasn't a three-man carousel. DJ Dallas did not assume that normal role that Travis Homer had the past two weeks before. It was very much Rashad Penny ahead. Kenneth Walker getting sprinkled in to give him breathers here and there. And that's what you want to see. If you're a Penny owner, and even if you're a Walker owner, you want to see that too. You don't want to see guys like DJ Dallas getting unnecessary reps when you just want these two to lead the way. Penny will be continued to be that lead guy, but Walker will get mixed in. And when Penny, I hate to say it, it feels like inevitably gets injured because it happens every single year, will be the guy to kind of take over that role. That's what you want to see. So this is more of the usage that we would want to have. We talked about DK Metcalf. He had the big game, but Tyler Lockett for the third week in a row has a nice game. Not huge, but eight targets, six catches, 91 yards. Nothing to seize about, especially when he's been consistent now through three weeks. So your confidence in Tyler Lockett is building and getting to the point where he now has to get plugged into your lineups. Him and Geno Smith clearly have a lot of trust. Where on the DK side, while he has the bigger game, this is the first week we've actually seen DK do DK-like things. So you don't feel as sure about it moving forward. But Lockett, now we have a three-week pattern. Now we feel confident, more confident about what his usage and what his floor kind of is moving forward on a week-to-week basis. On the Detroit side, we talked about Hawkinson going off. Good for him. We just don't know when St. Brown's going to get back. And, and, you know, if you're judging the words of Dan Campbell, it sounds like he's closer than, say, a DeAndre Swift, who they've already talked about maybe waiting till after the bye to bring him back. Maybe St. Brown's back next week. We'll have to see. Maybe DJ Chark's back by next week. He's probably the closest one of returning of all of them. Josh Reynolds, let's not forget about him. He he was the guy that we were like, all right, look, if all these guys are going to be out, Josh Reynolds is, is a possible sneaky pickup, playing your flex, playing him at DFS. He didn't disappoint. He had eight targets. He had seven receptions, 81 yards, and he picked up a touchdown. So even with TJ Hawkinson going off, he didn't disappoint. The fact is this. Whoever is set up to have the top one and two places of volume in the passing attack of the Detroit Lions is a fantasy-relevant player that you just need to have in your team. And due to injury, whatever the case may be, we can kind of figure that out. How about Jamal Williams? I had him ranked inside my top 12. He didn't disappoint. 19 carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 51-yarder. Now, I wasn't able to take the time to look this up before the show. I I wish I could have. But I'd like to see the last time Jamal Williams had a 51-yard run and looked that explosive. I, like I said, the efficiency across the board in this game was absolutely insane. Good for him. And it just you know recon- reconfirms, reassures us that with DeAndre Swift out, number one, Jamal Williams is the guy. Craig Reynolds only had two carries in this game. He wasn't really mixed in here. And Williams can produce at a high level if he's getting that kind of volume. Let's move into the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. The Titans continuing to get back on track, winning again in this game. And the Colts looking like maybe that Chiefs game was more of an aberration than anything else. My big notes here, of course, Derrick Henry, 22 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. That looks like a Derrick Henry box score that you want to see. 
This is a good defense. Now, Shaquille Leonard did get banged up in this game and had to leave again, but DeForest Buckner was in there. So this is not an easy defense. It's not a cake defense to run on. The offensive line did a better job making some holes. So that was the good news there, of course. And what we have now is that Derrick Henry is back on track after two weeks. And for the second week in a row, and this is where I want to see, does this continue? He had five targets. So last week we talked about like, oh, he got more involved in the past game and he's been involved in like almost his entire career. And now the second week in a row, he gets five targets. In fact, was the top targeted player on the team with the five targets, three catches and 33 yards. That's how insane this was. If this is going to continue for Derrick Henry, now all of a sudden we're talking about a whole new floor if he's going to be involved in the passing game. Dontrell Hiller still had four targets, but that was it. So something to kind of look out for. If it happens three weeks in a row, we might be having a whole new conversation, a whole new outlook on what Derrick Henry actually is for fantasy football. And it's just really funny for it to be happening to him now at this point in his career. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm not getting my hopes up too high yet. We have a we have a career-long history you know, behind us of him not really being involved in a consistent matter in that fashion, but definitely something to kind of keep your eye on. And the other note, of course, with Tennessee is that Traylon Burks got injured in this game, was seen on crutches. They're calling it a foot issue. We will get more information on that and talk to Brian Scott about. Really a shame because he was a guy, like I said, I was buying low on. He looked like he was becoming a breakout candidate. He was playing more and more. This coaching staff was talking about, especially going into this week against the Indianapolis Colts, about him getting more of the A.J. Brown-type role in the offense that they drafted him to be. And then he gets hurt in this game. We'll see what the injury is, but just the way it kind of all went down, I feel like my early my early feeling is that this will be a multi-week injury, most likely. That could mean more target share for Robert Woods. Maybe we'll see more Kyle Phillips. Nick, Nick Westbrook-Ikeen has played ahead of Kyle Phillips last couple of weeks, so maybe we'll see a little bit more of him. Even though he didn't show up in the box score, he did play the second most uh, snaps out of the wide receivers this week. So ultimately, I don't know how much you really care about a Tennessee pass catcher. You pretty much just care about Derrick Henry and are they able to get that going. On the Colts side, well, Matt Ryan was fine. I mean, I don't think anybody was streaming Matt Ryan anyway, so this probably didn't help out anybody too much. But he did have 356 yards and two touchdowns. What's odd about that is like I read you that stat line, you would think that Michael Pittman would have one of his better days, especially in this matchup, and he did not. Six targets, three catches, 31 yards. The Titans really did a very good job just blanketing him and taking him kind of out of this game. That's why you saw guys like Molly Cox and Alec Pierce had a decent game in this one as well. Uh, that's not going to happen. We know we know Michael Pittman will bounce back. We know he's a wide receiver one moving forward, but just kind of interesting to see that Matt Ryan, as long as Pittman's out there, I guess Matt Ryan can be serviceable, I suppose, but this was not the type of game plan the Colts wanted to have. We talked about Jonathan Taylor. We talked about they're talking about it being a high ankle sprain, four to six weeks, that would mean. And, you know, for this week, it was just Naeem Hines. We'll have to see exactly what their game plan is going to be moving forward because I don't see Naeem Hines just overtaking as a workhorse back. Although, half point, full point PPR leagues, uh, he'll definitely be involved. I think they will go to more shotgun and kind of involve him that way. This might become more of a pass-heavy offense if Jonathan Taylor's going to miss a lot of time. There'll be a worse team for it, but that's probably what we're going to see them wind up doing. Let's move into our next game here, the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants, the snooze fest of all snooze fests of the week. Justin Fields did throw the ball more than 20 times. It finally happened. He threw the ball 22 times, actually. 
And Darnell Mooney had four catches for 94 yards on five targets. Now, one of those was based off of a 56 yarder. And my immediate thought was, it, it kind of made me giggle, you know, sell high on Mooney right away, sell high on Mooney right away. I don't, I don't, you can't really call this a sell high move, but could you sell this in a way that you could make an owner believe that this is a sign of things to come, that it can only get better? And that this is a sign of what happens when things do get better is that Mooney can get have games like this and even bigger games than this, like he's just scratching the surface. Could you at least make a move that is perceived to be a parallel move, but into a situation that's much more sustainable? Because Chicago, again, he still only threw the ball 22 times. So that's not the kind of usage you want to see. And I think unless you have you know shares of David Montgomery and or shares of Khalil Herbert, I think you just you just don't want to be in on the Chicago offense at all from a fantasy football perspective. So if you had Mooney and he didn't drop him and you want to try to move off of him, package him with something, I would try to do it this week. I'm, I'm not saying you're going to get great value for him. I don't know if you're going to pull any, the wool over anybody's eyes to that level, but try to take the opportunity to move off of him while he at least has a pulse, I guess I could say. And then that was really all I had for the Bears. On the Giants side of the ball, Look, Jones and Tyrod Taylor got banged up. Taylor came in because Jones got a little bit injured. Then he got the concussion. It kind of forced Daniel Jones to go back in there. But the two quarterbacks combined threw the ball 16 times in this game. And the Giants still won. Just how bad the Bears are. But also is how great Saquon Barkley is. He had 31 carries in this game and 146 yards on the ground. I feel like you probably walked away a little disappointed that he didn't score a touchdown when he had that kind of performance. He had that kind of usage. And like, like this is absolutely insane to me. And from that sense, Daniel Jones that have two rushing touchdowns in this game is the second week in a row. He's been using his legs, but we know what happens when Daniel Jones uses his legs too much. He gets injured. And that's kind of why I got banged up in this game too. He was able to come back and finish the game out of necessity. We'll see what that means heading forward into next week. But for now, Saquon Barkley is just everything you hope for and more. And I just hope, I hope I don't have many shares of him, but I still hope for his sake. Cause I am a big fan of the player that he's just able to stay healthy on this kind of usage moving forward. Because I just I don't want to see him get hurt again. And then we're back to square one with Saquon moving forward, and the magic is done. So I don't. I hope that doesn't happen. For now, ride that Barkley wave. It's been a great ride, and he's you know him and Nick Chubb are the two actual legitimate top running backs of the league right now, and it's really not even close compared to everybody else at this moment. Getting into that Jacksonville Philadelphia game, so we had some bad weather. It definitely was affecting players early on in the game. You can kind of see it, a little sloppy play there, especially on the Philadelphia side of the ball, and Jacksonville jumps out to a 14-0 lead. But then the defense kind of kicked in. The Eagles kind of got back in gear and kind of took business after that. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, we talked about him in the, in the quarterback thumper segment. He wasn't good. And if he's not good, it's hard for Christian Kirk to be good. We know this is a tough matchup for wide receivers in general just because how good the, the, the Eagles secondary is even though Darius Slade to get kind of banged up in this game, it didn't really matter. Uh, I don't, Jamal Agnew had two touchdowns. That's neither here nor there to me. Zay Jones got rolled out of this game. He's, he's, he's not a player if Zay Jones is in there. The big thing was the running back usage. So, you know, after they fell down in the second quarter, because then the Eagles took the lead and never really gave it up again after that, it just confirms what we probably already knew, which is if they're down, they're trailing from behind, Travis Etienne, at least from a playing time standpoint, is probably going to outsnap James Robinson to some degree. And he did. He outsnapped him by two in this game. Now, 
didn't have a ton to show for it. Only 32 yards on the ground on eight carries and only the one target. But that's kind of how this thing is going to work. So you really want James Robinson in games that are neutral pro game script. The good news is the Jaguars are legitimately a better team. So as because of that, you actually have a situation that James Robinson, I, don't, I just don't think he goes away. And I think more times than not, he's the top 24 running back. Better days are ahead. On the flip side, the Eagles side, look, yeah, Jalen Hurts didn't have his like, you know, top three, top two type of day today. He still gets you the rushing touchdown. He still gives you a good fantasy performance as a result of that. And we know better days are ahead for them as well. We talked about Miles Sanders, how he lit it up. 27 carries, just, just had the game of a lifetime. We'll have to see if something like that can continue because it just hasn't been consistent in how they utilize him compared to the other running backs. But they probably should. And this could maybe be a game as to why they should. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. But we can't really trust Nick Serena to actually do what he's supposed to do when it comes to his running back rotation. But for now, Miles Sanders, the little guy you can play as an RB2. And again, like I talked about, you might want to think about selling high because he's going to be for probably top dollar right now as far as Miles Sanders' value can, can be moving forward. So think about that as you head into next week. A.J. Brown, even though he was away because he was having a, a new child being born, Seven targets, five catches, 95 yards. You're still good in this game. Devonta Smith, I know, came back down to earth after two huge weeks. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be moving off of him in my lineups moving forward. Again, there are some circumstances on top of the fact that Jaguars might be a matchup that we actually have to look out for moving forward. Let's get to that Jets-Steelers game. So big NFL headlines of this game, like Zach Wilson returns. We saw the debut, essentially, of Kenny Pickett because Mr. Trubisky got benched at halftime. And, you know, both were mixed results. Like, Zach Wilson wasn't great. He was 50% completion percentage, 18 of 36, 252 yards. He has a touchdown. He had two two interceptions. He actually wound up with a receiving touchdown because they ran a little Philly-Philly play at the red zone there. Good by them. That's all good, well, and fun. But you really want him to get more accurate. We'll see if it's just a matter of rust. Is he getting better? And this is my question for the Jets in general. Why I was like, look, there might be some Jets players you just have to play because you're just like, well, they've been this good to this point. And, you know, you have kind of have your lineup set up with these guys being part of it. And I, I understood it. Like, I had Elijah Moore as my, like, wide receiver 36. We so just made the cut. I had Garrett Wilson only two spots outside of that. So he could still be considered a flex play in three receiver leagues. But I really don't want to touch anybody if I could help it because we just didn't know what this offense exactly was going to look like. One of the things I did call was that I felt like Brees Hall would get more of the work because I felt like, okay, Zach Wilson comes in. They're probably going to want to try to do a better job of running the ball more 
with Zach Wilson back at quarterback this week. They did. And if they do that, I think you're going to see more Brees Hall. And that's exactly what happened here. He had 17 carries, 66 yards. He winds up getting in the red zone. So that was good. And, you know, Michael Carter still had his 11 opportunities, but 15 yards on the ground, uh, 14 yards through the air. I think we might start to see more of this. I do think while this wasn't a huge game out of Brees Hall, I do think this kind of usage between the two where Hall is getting more utilized and Carter is still getting some work, but as a complementary to Hall rather than the other way around, rather than being a 50-50 split, I think we might see Hall start to play, actually play more and more and more. So he could be a buy low candidate for me as well as we move forward here. Now Zach Wilson is back with the offense. Receivers is what everyone to figure out. All right, what was the what was the targets going to wind up being? Well, Garrett Wilson did out target Elijah Moore by two. Uh, Corey Davis though was actually the top receiver. He had five catches for seventy four yards, a touchdown, seven targets. Basically, this is what I took out of it, is that Zach Wilson still kind of spread the ball around relatively evenly between Davis, Moore, Conklin, and Wilson, and with the running backs kind of getting mixed in with targets in, in their own right. So. As far as the distribution goes, I don't think it's drastically different than it was with Joe Flacco. The difference is going to be, I think they will run the ball more, and Wilson is just not going to be throwing the ball 40 to 50 times every single week the way Joe Flacco was the first three weeks. And I think that's going to be the huge difference there. We'll have to see more of a... It's a situation we need more data on, need to see Zach Wilson a little bit more before we can feel confident one way or another. But Brees Hall does come out of there as a buy-low candidate for me. On the Steelers' side of the ball... Kenny Pickett, like I said, he makes his debut. And you know what? Kenny Pickett completed every single one of his passes. It's just that three of those passes were to the other team. And that was kind of the issue there. Three intercept, 10 of 13, three interceptions, 120 yards. Wasn't great. Also probably wasn't expecting to come in and play. But funny enough, he picks up two rushing touchdowns. So now you have to think of yourself, oh, is he on the fantasy radar? Is he going to run like, no. I'm not if you're in one man 12 if you're in one quarterback 12 man leagues you're not picking up Kenny Pickett but what we thought about okay what happens if Pickett does become the quarterback right what does that mean for the wide receivers if you're Deontay Johnson owners you weren't too thrilled four targets two catches 11 yards while George Pickens six catches 102 yards on eight targets in this game what we thought, what I thought at least, came to pass. If Kenny Pickett came in, I wondered, would that be the emergence then of George Pickens? At the very least, over Chase Claypool, didn't necessarily think he would leapfrog Deontay Johnson, and he still might not. Like, like again, if they go in the next week, it'll be with a full game plan. That game plan, I do believe, is still going to call for Deontay Johnson to be the number one receiver of this team. But that double-digit target floor that Johnson was still having with Mr. Trubisky... We have to question now, is that definitely going to be the case moving forward? It's unfortunate if you had him, but if you drafted George Pickens as a sleeper and you've been waiting for him, this is the breakout you needed. I think I will be, I'm not, I think, I know, I will be ranking George Pickens ahead of Chase Claypool at the very least moving forward. He only got two targets in this game and completely did absolutely nothing. Shouldn't be on your fantasy radars anyway, but now we can look at this. This is Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. And a mixture of Pat Freermuth, who actually has a solid game in this one, too. Nine targets, seven catches for 85 yards. Does have a good game here. Najee Harris was fine in this game. 18 carries, 74 yards. That's the good news there. But still, just, he doesn't get in the end zone. It's just not the same as last year. 
Maybe, though, with Kenny Pickett, if he's throwing the ball deeper, get some guys out of the box, we may see a change at the offense position. So there is some hope, I believe, for Najee Harris moving forward, too. So let's talk about the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens. I was looking forward to this game the most. It wound up being a little more sluggish than I expected. Yes, it was also raining in Baltimore. And that, that, of course, was part of it. But Josh Allen was looked like Josh Allen rookie year, where he was like just over 50%. Wasn't very sharp. However, Josh Allen showing you why, just from a fantasy perspective, he's so good. Because he still gets you 70 yards on the ground. He still gets you a rushing touchdown. There's just there's such a high floor when it comes to Josh Allen. It's just ridiculous. Like no matter what, even when he has a bad game, he's still gonna have a decent day for you fantasy wise. My other note here is Devin Singletary. So yeah, he didn't have the huge game like he did the week before, but 11 carries for 49 yards, four catches for 47 yards on five targets. The more important factor here: Zach Moss only had three carries, wasn't even in the box score when it came to passing. It wasn't close snappage. Devin Singletary was the workhorse back from a playing time perspective of this backfield. James Cook, I think, had like three snaps in this game. Zach Moss was barely on the field. So maybe after last week and now this week, what we see here is that maybe the Buffalo Bills are deciding that they're done with going with the three-man carousel or the committee between him and Zach Moss, I should say, and are committing, or at least from a playing time standpoint for now, to Devin Singletary. That's interesting because we've seen in the past what that can mean. If Devin Singletary is getting the work and they're committing to him, he can be an RB2 with some upside. So, <coughs> excuse me, Devin Singletary is potentially a buy-low candidate and could be a high-upside player. As I try to get the frog out of my throat, excuse me. On the Baltimore side, oh, the other thing too, Isaiah McKenzie and James Crowder both go out with concussion injuries in this game. Stephon Diggs didn't have a big game. Gabriel Davis didn't have a big game. The passing attack in general just didn't have a big week with Josh Allen not really able to get going. It was disappointing because Baltimore, such a good matchup on paper, been getting lit up by Miami and everything else. You had big expectations. I know I did. Just didn't come to fruition this week, but Better days are ahead, of course, for those guys, too. I wouldn't worry too much about it. On the Baltimore side, Rashad Bateman, somebody to keep your eye on, he got banged up in this game. And while he never actually left and was on the sideline, he didn't actually play in the second half after whatever happened. So more information we're waiting for on him. We'll keep you up to date on social media there. Unfortunately, before he left, only three catches and 17 yards on six targets. So he was getting looked at, but just wasn't really producing. And now we have to worry about what kind of injury are we looking at moving forward. But the guy that you should be smiling about is JK Dobbins. He gets two touchdowns, one in the air, one the ground, got the playing time, played ahead of justice Hill and justice Hill wound up getting banged up himself in this game. But JK Dobbins looks pretty good. Now Gus Edwards is eligible to come back next week. We'll see if he's able to do that and, what that all looks like. And we know Dobbins is never going to be a workhorse back. That's not what you drafted him to be. But this game does give you confidence that he can be the Dobbins of old where he's efficient and he gets a lot of red zone looks too. So that's what you have to be excited about when it comes to J.K. Dobbins in this game. And Lamar Jackson, kind of similar to Josh Allen, 
While he might not have had a great day through the air, still tacks on 73 yards on the ground just to provide you with that floor. You got to feel good about that moving forward. Let's get into our next matchups, the Chargers and the Houston Texans. So the big thing here is that Justin Herbert looked healthy in this game, looked like the rib injury was not bothering him, especially not nearly as much as it did last week against Jacksonville. 340 yards, two touchdowns, really gets back on track here in a big way. We talked about Austin Eckler, him getting back on track, the huge game he had. We'll see if that usage is able to hold up. They use a lot less of Josh Kelly and Sonny Michelle throughout the game as they had the past three weeks. We'll see what they want to do moving forward. I still think, again, there's a real chance that they want to turn to one of those guys when they get inside the five. But they also recognize Austin Eckler has to get more involved, and hopefully this is a reflection of that. Mike Williams having a really good game. Obviously, you know, you had him, I had him as a top 20 receiver, and Keenan Allen's going to be out. Seven catches, 120 yards, 11 targets. The guy who disappointed was Josh Palmer. He's a guy that I felt like, and it felt like it was getting to the point where, okay, if Keenan Allen's out, we know Palmer's going to get a lot of snaps. He comes in, and I feel like you can kind of just plug and play him as a, almost as a handcuff to Keenan Allen. It was a bad game here. It happens with wide receivers. I'm not worried about it moving forward. I still like Josh Palmer in those situations more times than not, at the very least, as a high-end wide receiver three. So don't worry about that. And we talk about Gerald Everett having a good game here, too. On the Houston side, Damian Pierce had a 75-yard touchdown run, which pretty much set him up for a great day fantasy-wise. 14 carries, 131 yards, and actually had six targets in the passing game. That I found really intriguing. Now, it only went for six catches for eight yards, so it's not like he did anything with it. And Rex Burkhead, while he didn't get a carry, did get involved in the passing game and was playing in those two-minute drill, third and long situations. He actually had a touchdown through the air, five catches and 39 yards to boot. But Damian Pierce is showing you he had big playability there. It was a good match. The Chargers on paper are a good match because running backs, you just weren't sure were they going to be in enough of a neutral enough game script to get to him. And if you take away that big play, I don't know how great of a fantasy day Pierce would have had because, again, he only had the 14 carries. Like He did kind of get game scripted out of this towards the end. But he's able to hit big plays like that. You have to feel more confident about him in your lineups. I would say, though, this is still a bad Houston team for the most part. It's still a team where you're going to have games that everyone's just going to dudge you out. Damian Pierce is still somebody that I think if I can sell high on, I would. And the cool thing about him, like unlike a Miles Sanders, is like Damian Pierce is fresh. He's hip. He's new. People get swept up in that in your leagues. So they might give you a little bit more for a guy they think like might have still have untapped potential in his future. Definitely a sell high guy to think about. I'm not selling him for anything, but a sell high guy to think about. His value is never going to be higher. It was good to see Brandon Cooks get back on track too. He had seven catches, 57 yards on seven targets in this game. Let's move into the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers. My notes on the Cardinals. Murray does get a touchdown on the ground and it is able to give you a decent fantasy day, especially with his two passing touchdowns too. The other key here though, is that he ran 12 times. Now it was only for 26 yards. But what do we talk about? Kyler Murray has to use his legs. And even if he doesn't have a big day on the ground, as long as he uses his legs, he's generally a better quarterback in general. Now, still wasn't great here. But from a fantasy perspective, it gets him going. And he gets you a rushing touchdown. 
It didn't wind up going to Connor like I thought it would because Con- Murray hadn't been really running too much to this point. Arizona gets the winner's result, so that also puts a feather in the cap of this is something that may continue. Connor, though, was getting back to being utilized as the lead cut back last week, who's still kind of banged up. They weren't really trying to give him the full workhorse load. 15 carries, 55 yards, three catches, 22 yards. Yeah, not a huge day, but 18 opportunities for James Connor, who you know will get opportunities to score more times than not. I think you're feeling okay about him and his health, which is more important than anything else, moving forward for James Connor and getting back to being an RB2. Hollywood Brown was still very good. He had 11 targets, six catches, 88 yards, a touchdown. He just continues to be a mid-level to high-end wide receiver two with some upside as long as DeAndre Hopkins is out. That's not changing. And Zach Ertz, as long as Diop is out, Zach Ertz will always be a top eight tight end in my rankings. Six catches and 47 yards on a touchdown in his own right. On Carolina's side, Baker, surprise, surprise, is still just terrible. 36 pass attempts. 22 completions and still can't crack 100 yards or 200 yards. Excuse me. Still can't crack 200 yards. 5.5 yards per completion. It just It's just awful. It's just awful. Touchdown, two interceptions. The only positive I have for you is that he actually targeted DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, which is something we've been clamoring for in the fantasy industry. Christian McCaffrey didn't do much on the ground, only had 27 yards, but he had nine catches for 81 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. And DJ Moore finally breaks the six-target plateau he was on for the first three weeks and gets 11 targets in this game, six catches, 50 yards. Not exactly the stat line you're hoping for, but you'll take double-digit targets. You'll take the fact that he actually got Christian McCaffrey involved in the passing game too. So while he still wasn't good, and this offense still looks awful, at the, least, at the very least from a fantasy standpoint, this is how you're hoping the volume gets consolidated between these two players, and hopefully this will be a sign of things to come. We get into the New England and Green Bay game here. Green Bay pulling out a squeaker, taking up all the time in overtime. We have full five quarters in this game, 27-24. On the Patriots side, look, they, we knew they didn't have Mac Jones, so how you don't really want to play the pass catchers. And then Brian Hoyer gets knocked out early in this game, too, so that opened up the door for Bailey Zappi, who really wasn't terrible. You know, 10, 10 of 15, gets a passing touchdown, didn't turn the ball over, only 99 yards, though. That's the part where it was just like, wow, he completed 10 balls and still only had to even break 100. But neither here nor there. The running backs, like I talked about, they would be the fuel. They would be the engine of this team. And they were able to stay competitive in this game, despite the fact that they had their second and third string quarterbacks having to play. Damian Harris gets 18 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson walks out with 14 carries for 66 yards in his own right. The pass catchers, as you would imagine, really didn't do much. You can play both these guys. Harris still doing what he did last year. He just he finds ways to get into the end zone. He's still very efficient. He's a guy that we're talking about. He's a low-end RB2, and Ramondre Stevenson's a high-end RB3 because he's getting the opportunities. He had 18 opportunities in this game, four receptions, 14 carries. You're going to take that out of running backs. So you have to feel pretty good overall about them, but everything else until Mac Jones comes back is pretty much irrelevant. On the Packers' side... Look, Rodgers, he's just he's he's a back end QB one. He's you know a back end QB one, high end QB two. 
He's going to do just enough to win. He's not the focal point of the offense anymore. 251 yards, two touchdowns, did have a pick. You know, it's it's good enough with how the quarterback situation is right now around the league for fantasy football purposes that you can continue to play him in that like 12 to 10 range as a guy. I don't think he's much better than any of the streaming options you're going to have out there. I don't think he has as high of a ceiling probably as some of those other streaming options you may find on your waiver wire depending upon what's available. But he just has that floor of like, he's going to throw about 30, 35 times. He's probably going to get you two touchdowns. He's probably going to get you like 250 yards. This is just a typical Aaron Rodgers game of think of what we can expect this season. The And the running back usage is also typical. Aaron Jones had 16 carries. A.J. Dillon had 17. Dillon had two targets. Jones had four targets. I think this is a typical game for Green Bay of how they want things to go. Aaron Jones was able to get over 100 yards from scrimmage. Dylan was able to get back to being a little bit more efficient than what we had seen the past few weeks. Aaron Jones is an RB2. AJ Jones is an RB3. Nothing changes there. The only development that was new this week was that Alan, Rot- Alan Lazard actually gave you a good fantasy output without having to get into the end zone. Eight targets, six receptions, 116 yards. Like I said, no, zero touchdowns, but he was the de facto... When the fact though he he was out there, uh, he was healthy. That's the big thing. Definitely healthy. Rogers looking for him, but him and Dobbs had the same amount of targets. Dobbs gets into the end zone again. Five catches, forty-seven yards, kind of establishing his wide receiver three flex play consideration on week in week out basis right now because Watson came back in this game. Cobb was out there, and this is what the rotation is going to be until Sammy Watkins returns. And even then, I don't really know how much that should matter at the very least. I don't think it will matter that much. But the other thing to keep in mind here, if you didn't even see that game, is Dobbs should have had and dropped, unfortunately, although it was, you know, it wasn't a bad drop or anything. I, I think there's definitely different levels of drop. That was not a bad drop in my mind, but could have had a bomb touchdown that would have put him over 100 yards and two touchdowns for the week. So he was one play away from having a huge, huge fantasy day he caught the ball. He rolled over. The ball wanted to paint the ground. It came out, and he just he wasn't able to complete the catch through the process in the end zone. But he could have had a huge day as a result. Dobbs is still a guy. Even a game in which Lazard again went off, still had eight targets along with Lazard. I think we're playing Romeo Dobbs and Lazard moving forward in our lineups, again, as wide receiver threes with some upside. Our last game to talk about for today's show, the Raiders and the Denver Broncos. The Raiders winning this game 32-23. to I think if you're a Denver fan, you have to be panicked. And even if you're a Russell Wilson owner, he came through. I mean, like you said, he was in our thumper section because he gets the rushing touchdown. He did have two passing touchdowns, and he managed not to turn the ball over in the process. But still, 25 pass attempts in a game in which Denver was trailing the whole way. 237 yards, it's not the type of stat line you're looking to see in that kind of situation against a bad Raiders defense and a team that, you know, before Javante Williams got hurt, had all of its weapons. Judy's back out there, who gets the touchdown, by the way. Cortland Sutton's been good, and he gets, he finally gets his first score of the year as well. I didn't leave that game. While Russell Wilson did get his top 10 performance that you've been waiting for, I, don't still, I still don't have a ton of confidence because overall, it's just like you put up 23 points against the Raiders. Like, Nathaniel Hackett's still a problem as a play caller. Russell Wilson's still a problem as far as his overall aggression goes. This is a team that they really need to go up-tempo, and now 
You may not have Javante Williams for I don't know how long. Because again, like I said, they're calling it a serious knee injury. He's getting an MRI on Monday. We record this show Sunday night, even though you get to see it at Mondays at 10 p.m. Eastern. So just follow us on social media. We'll keep you up to date. But it was not sounding good for Javante Williams. <clears throat> and on the Raiders side of the ball, Derek Carr, look, I had him as a QB19. I said, you can't play him. This is a good, this is a good Denver defense. He only had 188 yards, didn't score. Did tackle on 40 yards on the ground, but it doesn't really help his fantasy performance output that much. We talked about Josh Jacobs. He had the big thumper game. Devontae Adams got back on track. He had 13 targets, nine catches, 100 yards. The only thing he didn't do is score in this game. So overall, you look at this and say, all right, look, Derek Carr, he's a quarterback. You're only streaming in plus matchups to begin with anyway, so there's no surprise there. You'll love it if you're a Josh Jacob owner. And you think, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe Josh McDaniels will commit to this a little bit more because Jacobs has been getting all the work. That hasn't changed. The difference is, is that all the work meant like 12 carries up until this point. He finally gets 28 in this game. So we'll see if they're able to recommit to the running game, which will open up play action, open up Devontae Adams. And overall, not a whole lot else to take out of this. Again, Darren Waller, better days are ahead for him. That's going to do it for the show today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I know it's, you know, Sunday fun day is always a jam-packed amount of information to throw at you guys, but we'll be back on Tuesday with the primetime recaps for the Sunday night and Monday night games. Go through my heroes and zeros where my right and wrong calls where I hold myself accountable. And then we'll also talk about our waiver saviors and continue to get better heading into week five. So until then, Make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch all of our content. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Download us on the Foxy Network TV on demand services. I'm Dan Mater, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 